It was early on Sunday morning when the women went to the tomb. They were taking spices that they had prepared, and they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among, uh, among the dead for somebody who's alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee? That the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and that he would rise again on the third day? Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who had told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up, and he he ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in, and he saw that the empty, empty linen wrappings were laying there, and then he went home again, wondering what had happened. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking in the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked, they discussed these things. Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short. Sadness was written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, uh, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about these things that have happened here the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, you know, that man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers uh, were at the tomb early this morning, and They came back with an amazing report. They said the body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them that Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran to see him, and and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us. It's getting late. So we went home with them. And as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it and he gave it to them. It was then that their eyes were suddenly opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as we talked with him on this road as he explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them. And they said, the Lord has really risen. He even appeared to Peter. Then two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as well as they were walking along the road and and how they recognized him as he was breaking bread. And just as they were talking about it, Jesus himself suddenly stood in among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened. They didn't have peace. They thought they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with so much doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. 
Still, they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and, and he ate it as they watched. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms that they must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sin for all who repent. You are my witnesses of all these things, and now I will send my Holy Spirit. In this time of desperation When all we know is doubt and fear There is only one foundation We believe We believe In this broken generation, all is dark, you help us see. There is only one salvation, we believe, we believe. Sing it with us. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. Oh, and He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered hell. We believe in the resurrection. Oh, and He's coming back. Church, little loud, our God will save. We believe, we 
you guys sit down take a minute um thanks for coming this morning thanks for coming and celebrating this uh easter resurrection day with us it's a uh, it's crazy to look out and see all the faces of we just have easter every week just uh all you guys are going to show up this month <laughs> so just kind of give you a little lay of the land kind of what's going to happen this morning um so what we're going to do is basically we're going to go back and forth between music and testimonies we have a few of our people here uh folks that call carpenter's way their home they're actually going to get up, and they're going to share a little bit about uh, basically just how the gospel has changed their life, um, how the gospel has brought them back to life, um, or to life. And uh, so that's kind of what we're going to do. We're going to go back and forth. Uh, there's going to be some videos, and I think it's going to be really cool. I hope it's uh, really powerful and it really just touches you where you're at. But I wanted to start off the, uh, the whole testimony time kind of just, uh, just sharing my story. Um, for you guys who, are, who call Carpenter's Way your home, you're probably familiar um, with my story. I've shared it a few times. But for those who aren't, I uh, just wanted to kind of give you just a little rundown of, of me and uh, just kind of what the gospel has meant to my life. So uh, my story's probably not ma- that much different than uh, most of you guys who grew up in East Texas. Um, I was in church every week. Um, I don't remember not going to church. Uh, my dad was actually a pastor, and so I was there all the time. And so um, twice on Sundays, every Wednesday, uh, every youth rally, every revival, you know, I was, I was in church a lot. And I, I know a lot of you can relate to that, and you grew up in church you know, we used to have church a lot more than we do now, but, uh, you know, um, we just, we're in church all the time, and uh, I don't know if that's funny, we used to have church all the time, and now we don't, we're, we're too good for it, but uh, <laughs> I heard so many messages about uh, just God's power, His authority, and how great He is, and we even had messages like, especially this weekend, you know, about um, Christ dying and, and rising from the dead, and uh, you know, what that meant, but uh, for whatever reason, the, the gospel never really clicked with me, um, I'm not sure if it's uh, maybe the emphasis wasn't there in our services or uh, for whatever reason. I'm not sure, but it just it never really clicked with me. And so I got saved when I was 13. It took me 13 years to actually do that, growing up in church every day, kind of slow. So I, I did it at 13. I remember saying the prayer, um, and, uh, you know, things changed. I remember it being powerful and that um, God had changed me. And uh, the sad part is that the next 20 years I spent trying really, really hard to please him. And uh, not that that's a bad thing. I don't want you to walk away thinking that we shouldn't try to make him happy. But I spent 20 years thinking that my salvation hinged on me trying real hard, me doing the things that needed to be done so that he wouldn't um, basically just uh, sweep me to the side. Um, I don't know if you can relate to that. I have a feeling that you can. Um, just growing up and just wondering, you know, is, is God mad at me? Is he... Uh, is he uh, is this the day that he just kind of kicks me out, that kind of thing? And so just spending 20 years just really, really trying hard and just um, hoping that, hoping with all hope that, um, that I would get in, you know, that I was good enough at the end of the day that I did more good than bad and that he would kind of give me a break when it came to it. Um, and then finally about, um, I don't know, probably seven, eight years ago, I just got to the point where I was just like, God, this, there's got to be more than this. I read all the time about this peace. I read about this joy. I read about this grace, and I don't know anything about that. I don't know peace. Um, there's no peace in my life. There's no joy. Um, 
And so I, I just I started praying. The one prayer I prayed uh, for probably a year straight. Um, this is pretty much the only thing I prayed. I didn't pray for anybody else. I was very selfish. But the only thing I prayed was, God, I want to know the truth. Um, and that was it. God, I want to know the truth. I want to know your truth. I want to know, I don't want to know just a truth that's out there. I want to know the truth. And um, it's, it's crazy because every time I'd pray that, it came back to this weekend. Every time it came back to this weekend, to Easter. And uh, just the whole death and resurrection. And uh, I'm like, yeah, I get that, God. I mean, I, I know. I, I know what happened that weekend. I know what happened. And um, he just began to, um, I don't know, change, change me and reveal to me um, the depths of his love. Um, the truth of his grace, um, the fact that when he said it was finished, he wasn't joking, um, that it was actually finished, and there was nothing more I could do to make it more finished. And um, I have to tell you, if you're here this morning and, and you've lived that way that I'm talking about, I pray that sometime today that this, this message will sink in because there's peace that you, you didn't even know existed. Um, when I lay down at night, um, I go to sleep. <laughs> I used to spend, uh, gosh, I don't know, an hour just going over the day. Um, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm the only person that does this, but I don't think so. I would spend an hour or so just kind of like play, re- replaying the day. Like, what did I do? Did I do anything wrong? Did I do anything that's going to kick me out? Did I do anything that's going to make you mad? Do I need to repent for anything before I fall asleep? Because if I fall asleep and I didn't repent and he comes back, oh, my gosh, I'm, you know, that whole thing, this crazy cycle. And so once I really started letting that sink in, that his grace covers me, that his, his, uh, when he paid for my debt, he didn't just pay for it one time, he paid for it in full. He paid for all of my sins. And you guys know when you're, you're on a roller coaster and you get to the top of the hill and you're about to go over and you kind of have that real pause just for a second. Any roller coaster riders? Anybody ride? And you get to the top and you're about to go over the hill and you kind of pause and then you go and it's like... <gasps> Like kind of that thing, your, your, your stomach gets up in your throat, and you're like, oh, my gosh, and you're so scared. But then at the, as you're going down the hill, it's just the coolest thing ever, and you're just screaming your guts out because it's awesome. That's kind of what I felt like as I started to let myself go down this road. I get over the hill, and I'm looking down. And I'm like, okay, God, if I go, we're going. And I just remember being in my room and, and just praying this and saying, okay, God, if this is real, I'm going to go. And just having that feeling of like, oh, my gosh, this is real. Oh, my gosh, this is there's more to this than I, I could have dreamed. There's more to this than I imagined. And um, so I, I think there's probably a few people here this morning. Maybe there's some of you who have never accepted Christ. Um, you're just kind of here because somebody drug you. That's cool. We're glad you're here. I hope this morning that something is said, something's read, something's played that touches you and you, you give your life to Christ because there's, there's nothing like it. I promise you. Uh, second group, I think there's probably, um, you're kind of where I've been, I was for the last 20 years or the 20 years before, where you're trying just really, really hard. Um, this doesn't make sense, but you're, you're just, you're earning it, man. You're fighting every day. You're getting up. You're going. You're trying your best to not make him mad. You're trying your best to please him so that maybe, maybe, maybe he'll let you just kind of slip in through the door and just get to hang out. Um, and then there's um, some of you guys who have accepted this. Who are you guys? The guys who, who know Grace. The guys who have accepted grace and said, man, I'm all in. I'm all in on this grace thing. You guys, um, we need something from you this morning. I need you, to, I need you to stand up. Well, everybody stand up. But you guys that are all in on the, the amazing grace, um, I need you to sing your guts out this morning <laughs> like never before. I need you to sing at the top of your lungs because 
at the end of the day, this is all we got. And at the end of the day, if this isn't true, we're all in big, big trouble. You know it, and I know it. You know yourself. I know me. If this isn't true, we are in bad, bad shape. So let's sing this. Um, this is Amazing Grace. the power of sin and darkness whose love is mighty and so much stronger the king of glory the king above all kings who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder the king of glory the king above all kings this is amazing grace this is unfailing love that you would take my place that you would bear my cross you would lay down your life that i would be set free I sing for all that you've done for me. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King above all kings, who rules the nations with truth and justice shines like the sun in all of its brilliance the king of glory the king above all kings yeah this is amazing grace this is unfailing love that you would take my place that you would bear my cross That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. And worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Oh, worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Oh, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Yeah, and worthy is the King conquered the grave oh worthy is the lamb who was slain oh and worthy is the king who conquered the grave oh worthy is the lamb who was slain worthy 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 oh this is amazing grace this is unfailing love that you would take my place that you would bear my cross, you would lay down your life, that I would be separate. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. 
This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You would lay down your life. That I would be set free. I sing for all that you've done for me. Amen. Let no one caught in sin remain inside the liar in word shame, but fix our eyes up on the cross and run to him who showed great love and bled for us oh, freely you bled for us christ is risen from the dead trampling over death by death come away come away Come and rise up from the grave. Christ is risen from the dead. We are one with Him again. Come awake, come awake. Come and rise up from the grave. Beneath the weight of all our sin, you bow to none but heaven's will. No scheme of hell, no scoffer's crown, and no burden great can hold you down and string. You reign forever, let your church proclaim. Oh, Christ is risen from the dead, trampling over death by death. Come awake. Come awake, come and rise up from the grave. Christ is risen from the dead. We are one with Him again. Come awake, come awake, come and rise up from the grave. And oh, death, where is your sting? And oh, hell, where is your victory? The glory of God has defeated the night. Sing it, oh, death, where is your sting? And oh, hell, where is your victory? And oh, church, come stand in the light. Cause I Christ is risen from the dead, trampling over death by death. Come awake, come awake, come and rise up from the grave. Christ is risen from the dead, we are one with Him again. Come awake, come awake, come and rise. Let's sing that again. Oh, Christ is risen from the dead. 
trampling over death by death. Come awake, come awake, come and rise up from the grave. Christ is risen from the dead, we are one with Him again. Come awake, come awake, come and rise up from the grave. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Connie Rhodes. I saw on television recently after Nancy Reagan's death that uh, she had said that her life didn't begin until she met Ronnie. I thought about that and I can say that my real life didn't begin till I met Jesus at age 36. Now I was raised going to church, but I really just viewed it as a place to meet up with my friends. And as an adult, I tried church several times, but without the Lord in it, there was no power to change me. I was just an observer. Two things happened in my life that the Lord used to turn on my spiritual desire. I like to say he jiggled my willer. <laughs> he made me want to know him. Uh, my father's unexpected death when I was 34 actually started me on my spiritual journey. And later, led by his friends, I watched our son, Stephen, accept Jesus as his savior and get baptized at age 15. I was an observer to my son's salvation, and that really bothered me. I remember saying to myself shortly after that, okay, so who is Jesus, really? I picked up a Bible there at the house and randomly opened it to Hebrews chapter 1. And verse 3 says, He is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his nature. Now somehow I knew what that meant. Jesus is God. I read chapter 1 of Hebrews over and over and over. And what I got out of it is that God sent God in the person of Jesus to speak to us directly. Still later, I said to myself, does my life have to be this empty? And again, I picked up that Bible and randomly opened it to Hebrews 10.36. And it said, you have need of patience that after having done the will of God, you might receive the promise. And I thought to myself, okay, what's the will of God and what's the promise? Well, you might not be surprised that he took me to Matthew 6.33, which says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. My introduction to a personal, living, and compassionate Lord was really real, and I did want to know him. So after this two-year search, I accepted Jesus' payment for my sin, and I became a citizen of the kingdom of God. God used the next 10 years um, in Bible study fellowship leadership to teach me his word and to begin to change me. 
And Pastor Mark lets me lead a Bible study group here at Carpenter's Way to share what he's teaching us with other spiritually hungry friends. And I also get to share Jesus with women who have come to the Mosaic Center looking for new life. The first thing we Bible teachers have to teach them is that God loves them no matter what they have done, and he wants to give them new life. And it is truly exciting to watch them come in at spiritual ground zero, where I was at one time, and to begin to believe that they are valuable to Jesus and to other people. Six years ago, our son Stephen died of a cardiac arrest at age 45. But as horrible as that was and is, I know I'll see him again one day because Jesus was his savior. Let me close with these glorious words. Because Jesus became a man, he could die in our place. Because Jesus is infinite God, he could bear an infinite number of sins. Because Jesus is the sinless Son of God, he alone is worthy to fulfill both the justice and mercy of God. God can be merciful to sinners only because Jesus paid the penalty for sin that God's justice requires. God cannot overlook sin just because he's merciful. God's mercy is tethered to the shed blood of Christ. Those who reject God's mercy in Christ are left only with his justice. The resurrection that we're celebrating today gives us the power, if we want it, to move from being an observer to a citizen and participant in the kingdom of God. Since I met Jesus and have a relationship with him, I have never felt empty again. Thank you. Unfailing grace 
Way. Uh, my name is Matthew and I serve the security team and also the uh, missions investment team at Carpenter's Way. A few weeks ago, Mark asked me to give a three-minute testimony uh, about Christ and the power of the one who resurrected him and what it means to me practically. I told him I'd have to pray about it. It's not that I didn't have anything to say, it's just I didn't know if I could explain it in three minutes, but we'll give it a go. <laughs> practically speaking, Christ's resurrection means that I have a new purpose in life. Not only have I been forgiven of my past, present, and future sins, not only am I declared righteous by the perfect obedience of Christ, um, but I am now an ambassador of this message. I am a representative of God to the world. And it's not just me, but it's anyone in here who has placed their trust in Christ. I get to experience this resurrected life in many different settings. Uh, later today, I'll probably visit a nursing home with my girlfriend, Melinda. We'll just go there and we'll tell you know, people about the resurrection and that Christ loves them and uh, come back the next week and they'll want to talk with us. Uh, later this month, I'll go with Les Spellings and we'll get to visit the men at the Angelina County Jail and we'll do the same thing. Whether I'm at home uh, or at my job at the Dream Center, I have the privilege, uh, I have this privilege of reconciliation. I get to say um, that God is no longer counting people's sins against them because of the event that took place in a rich man's tomb 2,000 years ago. But it, always, but it wasn't always like this. I, and I think many here will be able to relate to my story. The setting was spring 2003. Um, Ted DiBiase, a.k.a. the Million Dollar Man, held a small professional wrestling event right outside Wells, Texas. After the event was over, he gave his testimony, and he presented the gospel. And at the age of 13, I accepted Christ as my Savior. But there was a problem. For the next five to six years, I was without any discipleship. 
I was not invested any, in any local church body, and I also um, had not started to reflect on the Holy Scriptures in any serious way. My soul was safe because of the finished work of Christ, but my mind had not yet, yet realized the priceless benefits and privilege of his life, death, and resurrection in my day-to-day -day walk. My friends, God not only loves sinners, but he also loves slow learners. Here are just a few examples of how God is presently and practically resurrecting my life within the context of the community of believers of my church family. Um, we are not made to walk with Christ by ourselves. Throughout the week, and not just on Sundays, I get to watch as men assume their roles as spiritual leaders of their families. Men like Kip Havard, Jeb Stringer, Doug Douglas. Uh, throughout, uh, through my church family, I know what a biblical marriage looks like. Um, Mrs. Jean Chapman and um, Devereaux's marriage meant so. Um, Mrs. Jean Chapman, your marriage with Devereaux meant so much to me. You and Devereaux did teach me so much with your words, but your life and your marriage spoke volumes to me. Justin Kirkwood, your passion for missions has inspired me. In addition, in addition. Uh, during this time, God was transforming my mind and giving me an odd appetite for reading the scripture. Mark, your passion for studying the scriptures in the context, um, in, in their proper context, influences my own personal studies and walk with Christ to this day. And this is how God is transforming me practically through the leading of the Holy Spirit and my church family. I would like to close with a scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we, we as the church are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For, Christ, for God made Christ, who never sinned, to be an offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Thank you. Hello, I'm Daryl Douglas. Uh, I have been a preacher, a teacher, a student minister. I now flip houses. Uh, so I've been in multiple things. I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm a granddad. So kind of jack of all trade at some points. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I do fill in occasionally for little churches, and one of them called me and they said, hey, can you come preach for us this Sunday? And I said, sure, I can do that. And I'd been there about a month before, and when I went, I thought, this is one of those little churches I may get to stay more than one time. And so well, I'm just in, in, to have some consistency, I'll just start with the book of Romans. And so when the second time came, I was going to be you know, in the book of Romans, and we're going to do three, four. I had got about halfway through three, chapter 3 the first time, and then, then 3, 4, and 5, and 6 was going to be the next set. And as I got ready for that, and as I was reading, I must have read it seven, eight, nine, ten times. And the more I read, the more excited I got, and the more, the more. It was kind of funny because all over town are, are the, the Ten Commandments. Well, you may like the Ten Commandments, but every time Daryl sees the Ten Commandments, he goes, oh, crap. I can't do that. <laughs> I just look at them, and it just, it just it bothers me. It just worries me. And so the reason I got excited is, is in Romans chapter 4, 
verses 13 through 17. Clearly, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes through faith. Not on, his right, not on the law, based not on the law. If God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary, and the promise is pointless. For the law always, highlight, dark letters, always brings punishment to those who try to obey it. For the only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break. I was told as a kid, I always wanted to go to Germany and drive on the Autobahn when I was a kid because there was no speed limit. I thought, that'd be cool. Go. Then it gets better. I'm like, okay, I'm watching the Ten Commandments. And in this little church, it's, it's fun, and, and you would know the people, and, and they're good folks, and it's a good church. But right as you're preaching, right, right there is the Ten Commandments when I'm preaching. They're right there on the wall. So I'm now thinking that there's the Ten Commandments that are posted, and I'm reading this. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses. If we have faith like Abraham's, for Abraham is the father of all who believe. I wrote my pastor and I said, look at this. Whether or not you follow the law, whether or not you follow the law of Moses, it's by faith of Abraham. And did you read about Abraham's life? What a jerk. <laughs> by faith. That is what the scripture meant when God told Abraham, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in God, who brings the dead back from life, the bed, the, uh, brings the dead back to life, and who creates new things out of nothing. Thank you.
he rolled the stone
my anchor holds within the veil. Oh, my anchor holds within the veil. Oh, Christ alone, cornerstone, we can make strong in the Savior's love and through the My name is Maria Belchner, and I'm just thankful to be here. Um, when Chad asked me to speak, I had different, I was thinking, but I was something, but I was saying something different, which was accepting to do this. Um, so, and as I was reading my insurance for careful communication this morning, um, my, I, I, in my opening, I thought, well, I better say this because in case my mother uh, hears of this. Um, I grew up with a, I, was, I had a very healthy childhood. Uh, don't get me wrong, my mother took uh, Proverbs 13, 24 quite to heart, so she spared no rods. But <laughs> with that said, um, I grew up hearing, don't ask for anything, don't, uh, don't ask why, just do as you're told, work hard. This applied to church too. I never asked God for anything, only for forgiveness. I needed lots of it. Didn't ask why, at least not out loud anyway. I obeyed and did as I was told, for the most part. It was in my late 20, excuse me, in my late teen years when I began to question my beliefs and why we did certain things that we did in church. I made many attempts to read and learn the Bible on my own. I was on a mission to find a list, specifics, things that God wanted me to do to earn his forgiveness. I knew God would forgive my sins, but I thought I had to work hard for it. I thought I had to pay my way. So my days consisted of starting 
from start to finish, trying to do better, working hard. I've lived through many challenges, but two of the most difficult were, first, it was fighting the breakup of my family, and second, my oldest son's self-destruction. I prayed through my struggles, but I never fully gave it to God. I fought the breakup of my family for many years. I relied on my endless work and planning to save my family. In the end, not only, I not only didn't save my family, I drove myself to become detached in a very frightening way. On October 9th of 2002, I gave up. I gave my family and our situation to God. That was when he let me know that it was all going to be okay. The feeling was great. The certainty so unknown to me. It was light. It was peace. I got through things that I never could do on my own. After that night, I did things to grow more spiritually, but I was always too distracted. Then I faced the ugliest of uglies with my oldest son. I battled the distractions created by my oldest son's struggles. I worked relentlessly to help save him from self-destruction. I fought and fought so much that I became lost myself. I wouldn't hear from anyone. I, w I was too consumed in saving him. It was through my youngest son that God spoke to me again. My son told me, what are you going to stop? You interfere so much with God's plan. He made his choice. I then let go. I gave up again. But this time, I'm fighting back. I'm not good at it, but I'm getting better, stronger, and wiser. I have the oh-so-dear and sweet pain, but that's not all I have. I have joy in the pain. We started attending Carpenter's Way June 2013. This is where I learned that God's grace is intended for me, too. It is a gift from our Father. I don't have to pay for it, and I don't have to work for it. It is really free. My journey began with this. I roller coaster, yes, I do, but I don't beat up on myself anymore. I get over it, and I get back on focus. I do want to rest in him. I want to live for him. I wanted to share a couple of scriptures that I read often. Um, one of the first ones that resonated with me was John 3.16. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And the other was, um, the others, James uh, 1, 2 through 8. And not because of the trials but more because of the completeness that I have found in the trials. Thank you. Grace is God's unmerited favor for us, His crazy love. And the truth is, many times we struggle understanding it. If you find yourself struggling to understand God's grace, don't beat yourself up. Even the disciples struggled with understanding grace. 
Jesus, is that you? You're alive. I can't believe you're alive. Okay, I was in the boat, and I wasn't catching any fish, okay? But I heard this voice, and the voice said, cast your net to the other side. And so I'm thinking, I'm a fisherman. I know what I'm doing, but I'm not catching any fish, you know? And so I throw that net over there, and then a gaggle of fish pop into that net, and I'm going, this is a total miracle. Who could have done that? I need to know who told me to throw the net to the other side. And boom, I look up, and I mean, there is you. You're looking at me on the seashore going, it is I, the Lord, and you're alive. I can't believe you're alive. This is awesome. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on. Peter, yeah. do you love me? Yes, I love you. I love you. You're alive. This is so great. Good, and, then feed my sheep. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on, man. It's him. Peter, Yeah. do you love me? I love you, yes. And I'm so sorry about that rooster clucking. I had no idea what that meant, but I do not. I'm better for it, all right? Okay. Then feed my sheep. Andrew, I'm smiling, but I'm serious. Come on, get out of the boat. It's him. Peter, Yeah. do you love me? Jesus, mere words cannot describe the passion that I have for you. I love you. You know everything. I love you. Good. Good. Then feed my sheep. I didn't even know you had livestock. That is so like you, though. There's something new about you all the time. That's what I love about you. Peter, yeah. do you remember uh, the morning the ladies went to the tomb? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're all in the upper room trying to figure out what to do next, you know, because we thought you were dead. You know, you were dead, you know, and we're trying to figure all that out, you know. And Mary comes running up, and Mary's like saying, beehive, beehive, beehive. And I'm thinking, I'm allergic to bees. Like, keep them out. You know what I'm saying? But as she kept getting closer, I heard her correctly. She was saying, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. And we're going, who's alive, who's alive? And she said, she was at the tomb, and the tomb was empty. And she said that the, there was an angel there. And the angel said, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay, he is risen. And so me and John, we hightailed it down there. And if John says he beat me, he's totally lying, all right? I beat him, FYI, all right, you know? And we get down there, and I'm looking in that tomb, and it is, it is empty. There's nothing in there, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And John is right there. John is so good with words. He should write a book. He is so good with words. And John said, don't you get it, Peter? This is everything Jesus said he was going to do, and you did it, and it's done. Let's go. This is so great. Wait, yeah. the angel said what? Uh, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen. You've risen. Let's go. This he is said what? Go tell the disciples and Peter. Go tell the disciples and Peter. You said my name. Why did you say my name? Peter, that's grace. No, no, I don't, I don't deserve that because that night people kept coming up to me asking me if I belonged to you, if I was with you, and I kept denying you left and right, all right? No, it'll take me my whole life to make up for what I did. It was unforgivable for no, what I did. No, What I did on the cross was meant to take what is unforgivable and make it forgivable. That's my grace. It's not about you. It's always about me. That's grace, Peter. I'm not just a pastor. I'm an observer. I uh, started going to church since before I was born. And I find the church somewhat uh, frustrating. You know, I, I think about Easter, and um, we have a tendency to call people in and to observe. Look at this historical fact, and it is a historical fact. I mean, you can prove it outside of Scripture. But this isn't a historical fact like Abraham Lincoln died 
It isn't a historical fact like this country was started in 1776. It's a historical fact that still impacts our lives today if we'll let it. And uh, <clears throat> the people who attend Carpenter's Way regularly know these people that shared this morning. As we were planning the service, we, we made some specific decisions intentionally. This morning, we wanted to put normal people who are relatively clean people, somebody who grew up in the Methodist church, somebody who grew up in the Catholic church and was a good person, a young man who loves to study the scriptures on his own, a pastor. The problem with how we do church is you're always being preached at. And if the lights are just right and the music is just right and the message is intense enough, then I feel something and then I surrender my life to the Lord and then that lasts until service at lunch is bad. You know, this isn't new in the New Testament. David wrote these words from Psalm. Hannah, will you put them up there for me, please? Psalm 34. Gosh, you guys. This is real. This is real. And you know, it isn't just about not going to hell. I, I've lived in the Bible Belt now for 11 years, and most of you in this room accepted Christ when you were in VBS, when you were real young. And a lot of you have stopped being involved in God because you just gave up because all you're told every week is how messed up you are. And you know, every once in a while, as you heard each of these testimonies, and we didn't write these testimonies. I hadn't even heard them until today. I just wanted them to share. Because on each one of these people has shared to me in the last couple months just what God's been doing in their lives. You see, the power of the resurrection isn't just for salvation like is often taught. It's for today, right now, this morning. It's for today. I don't know if you've noticed, but this world is an absolute mess. You have noticed, right? And we've pretended for a lot of years that this country is an exception to the mess of the world. At least I'm an American. Well, it's come home. If you're a Republican, you can't even decide which person to love and hate. If you're a Democrat, you can't decide how socialist you want to be. But we do know that the other person's evil. As if we staked our hope in a political agenda that will never save this country. If you want to know what it's like to have a perfect king, go back to Israel in the Old Testament. God was their king, and they still screwed it up. You see, the fact is the resurrection isn't about fixing morality in our country and our world. It's about grace, that video you just saw. Do you ever wonder why the story of the resurrection is only a chapter or two in the Gospels that are, that are dozens of chapters? Probably not. You probably never thought about it. But the reason the story of the resurrection doesn't end in an open tomb, even though our plays usually do, it doesn't end there. It ends with Peter, that video you just saw. This Wednesday night we were talking as a church and we were discussing the fact that it does say, Mary, go tell the disciples and Peter that it's going to be okay, I've risen. And the reason he wanted Peter to know was because Peter really screwed it up royally. There are some of you in this room today and watching on the internet that are absolutely convinced that you can't out his grace, but if you turn away, if you reject him, if you tell the world that you're not a follower, you're going to go to hell. Well, you know what? That wasn't true for Peter, was it? You see, God's grace even is sufficient for you when you rebel in the most heinous and difficult of ways. Some of you are in this room and you've done really bad things. And some of you are in this room and you've never done anything really bad and you're just, you know, doing fine. Except for one thing. 
you still wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning uneasy. You're freaking out because the wrong guy's running for president. You're freaking out because our country seems out of control and there's people that would like to come in this room this morning and cut your heads off for being here. That's true. They are there. And they would if they could. You're scared because you're wondering what kind of country you're going to give your kids to. You're scared because if you're going to have a job next week and how do I feed my family? A lot to be afraid of. And to top it all off, you've been a part of a church that just seems to hate itself all the time. You've been to business meetings like me where we scream about how much money we're spending on toilet paper. Maybe we should go with single ply. We can save half the money. You're right. The church is screwy, including Carpenter's Way, except for the pastor. It's a mess. But let me tell you the difference between religion, which includes Catholicism and Baptist and Methodist and Mormonism. Religion always takes you back to the quotes of the leader. Jesus said, back in the day, Joseph Smith always looked forward to this. The difference between biblical Christianity and religion, including Baptist, uh, including Baptist religion, is that this thing is personal. It's not about what Jesus said. It's about what he continues to say into your life. It's not about the church. We benefit from the church by ministering to each other like Matthew had said. But often, like Connie, we come to church or we, we get involved in religious things and we're simply observing, we're not participating. And God asks you to participate. Look at that verse. David wrote this, taste and see that the Lord is good. i got to tell you something. Even in Carpenter's Way, there is a group of people that are tasting the goodness of the Lord whose lives are a mess because they've decided to completely trust in the Lord. For the child of God, it's not sin that's a problem anymore. Your sin's been forgiven, hasn't it? Grace has been extended to you. That's not the problem. The problem is asking yourself, do I trust him? Is he worthy of my trust? Can he be trusted with my stuff? And my question to you this morning is, how is it working not trusting him? I grew up, and, and, and I've talked about this a lot, but I grew up in a church, and, and missionaries would come in, and they would talk about this thing. I think it's a verb. The peace that passes all understanding. It was one word. And as a kid, I would always think, I wonder what that is. And then I became an adult and, and a Bible school student, and I went to a Christian high school, and I never had the peace that surpasses all understanding. I did most of my ministry, my first couple ministries, not having the peace that passes all understanding. I lived freaked out and scared and nervous. And then one day, one day I was pointed out by a friend of 1 Corinthians 5.21 that says, he became the sinfulness of Mark so that Mark could become the righteousness of God. And I realized at that point that, that my struggle really wasn't with, with being saved. I was saved and forgiven. My struggle was with trust. I know I could trust him with my eternity, but could I trust him with my present? And I fought it for a long time. I still fight it. I still worry about things like budgets and kids. And, but the truth is, I'm learning to release that. I'm learning. In our study of James, God has been showing me that I have a divided heart. I love the world. I love good food, you can tell. I love a service. I love music. I just don't trust God enough. And so I'm starting to. And I got to tell you what's happening. I'm fine. <laughs> I sleep better. I have peace. Not all the time. But I'm choosing to trust. 
for the political stuff. It's going to go where it's going to go. I'm going to vote. not going to lose sleep over it. I'm going to trust. Not in the church, but in the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to know something this morning. He's not in heaven waiting for you, okay? Jesus himself penned these words through the Apostle John to a church that was absolutely actually told him, why don't you go on to another church? We're doing fine. Anna, put that up from Revelation, please. This is God's poised position in your heart if you don't trust him today. This is for believers. I stand at the door and I'm knocking. If you're hearing my voice, open the door and I'll come in and we will share a meal as friends. He's not saying, I'll clean up your life. I'll show you where you're screwing it up. He just wants to have breakfast with you. Do you know that 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 skit, that's placed at breakfast a week after the resurrection, a week after Peter denied Christ. It's it's poised one week later and Jesus doesn't say, you and I got to have a talk. He not once in that text talks about Peter denying him. He simply says, do you love me? And that's what he's asking you this morning. Whether you're a Carpenter's Way member or you're visiting or your mama drug you in here. If you are not God's kid, I just want to ask you how it's working out for you. How's that working out for you? How's that working doing it on your own? Doesn't work. You'll have to drink more, smoke more illegal substance, or go to Denver. Because there's never enough self-pleasure to cover up the pain. I beg of you, run to Jesus. Don't run to Carpenter's Way. Don't run to Harmony Hill. Don't run to First Assembly. Run to Jesus. This isn't about observing. It's about experiencing. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Child of God, were you saved at nine in VBS? You were saved into a family, not an organization. Are you disappointed with the church? Good for you. Me too. We use double-ply toilet paper at Carpenter's Way. Having a larger congregation allows us to buy a little more expensive toilet paper. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's not about how many plies. It's about who you know and who knows you and who loves you and who right now is still chasing you. No matter what your pastor told you, he loves you as much today as he did the day you got saved. He's not disappointed. He knew what you were before you got saved. In fact, Scripture tells us that he knew who you were before even the world was formed. He knew what you'd be, and he knew what your tendencies were for sin. And yet he still died for you. He still loves you. So quit being so proud and trust him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. This is our day. This is our story. You notice this morning, We moved away from the historical story about 12 minutes into the service because we too often spend all of our time thinking about what happened instead of what is happening. And I'm here to tell you that the same Jesus who saved you, who died for you and rose from the dead has sent his Holy Spirit to change your life. And you don't do that by walking an aisle or being baptized. You do that by giving up control, just like the thief on the cross who said, remember me. If you're here this morning and you don't have the peace and the joy that these folks have been talking about, that hope, I encourage you, tell the Lord. It's his problem. Talk to him. Engage truth. 
Be courageous. Face facts. And quit observing. You can be a participant in what God is doing on this planet. Because soon, we'll be home. This will be the Shadowlands. I beg of you. He's knocking. Brothers and sisters, children of God, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Celebrate what is true. Believe what you believe. Trust what you say you trust. Thanks for being here this morning. We're going to sing one more song. Let's stand together, and we're going to declare what we believe. And as we leave this morning, Carpenter's Way, folks, is not for visitors. We'll have our ushers at the door. If you came prepared to give, if not, that's fine. But God bless you. Thank you for being here. Your resurrection celebration does not end after this song. It just begins. Let's sing. In this time of desperation When all we know is doubt and fear There is only one foundation We believe We believe in this broken generation when all is dark you help us see there is only one salvation we believe we believe we believe we believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. Oh, and He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered hell. We believe in the resurrection. Oh, and He's coming back again. We believe. Let our faith be more than anthem Greater than the songs we sing In our weakness and temptation We believe We believe We believe We believe in the Holy Spirit, oh, and He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion, we believe that He conquered hell. We believe in the resurrection, oh, and He's coming back again. We believe, so let the lost be found and the dead be raised. In the here and now, let love invade. Let the church live loud, our God will save. We believe.
some confusion. We do this every Sunday morning at 9.30, and it's free. Amen. Thank you for being here. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Sunday. See you next week.